0: Good evening, everybody. Glad to see you tonight. Um, As always, if you're watching this after the fact, um, we just ask you to sit tight, be patient, or forward ahead about five, six minutes. You'll get to the start of class. Otherwise, we're just going to hang out and wait for everybody else to join us. All right. Thank you. Good evening, everybody. I see we've got at least one out there. It is Tuesday night, uh, coming up on 6.30, time for Bible class. Going to be in Luke chapters 12 to 14. So once you're here, check in. Please let us know who's here. And again, if you're watching this later on, um, you can skip ahead about four or five minutes as we wait for everybody to get here. Feel free to check in, let us know who's here, and uh, before too long here, we'll get going uh, with Luke chapter 12. I see a handful of you, of you are here. Um, let me know who's here, who we're, who's studying with us tonight. What a beautiful day, beautiful day. Day in May here, the weather was just awesome today, perfect weather. And a good night, uh, a good way to finish the night here as we study God's Word together, uh, continuing through the Gospel of Luke. It is 629, we're going to wait another four or five minutes before we start. Um, so please let us know who who is here. Good evening, Phil. Yep, absolutely. Still a Bucks fan. Um, they'll be back. I'm not worried. They'll get Middleton, Middleton healthy, and, and they'll be back. Um, so still got to support. Still got to support the team. Uh, as you can see, I got another, uh, another background tonight, uh, hopefully trying to eliminate some of the glare that we had last week. Uh, as always, looking for feedback. Let me know what you think. Uh, if this is good or bad or, or indifferent. Melissa, good evening. Hello. Hope you're doing well. What a what a great day today. I'm sure the boys enjoyed the awesome weather today. Who else we got out there? Looks like we've got about eight so far. Um, it is 6.30. We're going to give it another three minutes. Uh, let people find us here before we start. We are picking it up at uh, Luke chapter 12 today. Ah, oh, cool. I, I don't think I've ever been there, Melissa. I'm sure the kids loved it, though. I, my kids are probably a little bit past that point, but um, I'll have to check it out sometime. Ron and Joan, good evening. Hello. Uh, glad you're with us tonight. So again, uh, three more, um, three more pack, packed chapters from Luke tonight. Again, there's going to be a lot of stuff to get through. A lot of stuff we aren't probably going to cover either. So um, be ready with your questions and observations. Jane and Glenn and Jean and Joan are there. Good evening, guys. And Joan, so glad you're, you're home and, and joining us tonight. Um, hope you're doing all right. Oh, Melissa, yeah, the trails would be appealing, I think. Uh, we try to do some of that stuff in the summers. Phil says, great to see you, Joan. Or at least to to see that you're with us here. Um, Going to give it another minute or two. We're missing a couple of our regulars. I know uh, Linda will not be able to join us tonight. Uh, her procedure went well today, um, but just won't be online with us tonight. Um, oh, thanks for asking, Melissa. The confirmation went well. Uh, seven young people, uh, six of them pilgrim students and one public school student were confirmed on Sunday. Um, pretty full church. I was just mostly friends and family and, uh, they all did well with their examination and they, they read their verses and then uh, all got communion for the first time too. So it was good. It was really good. And as I think about it, Melissa, if you could maybe remind Nick to send me a, the link when he gets a chance. Um, no rush. But, <laughs> awesome. Thank you. You read my mind. You read my mind. Pam is here. I missed that, that post there. Um, Pam is here and, and just Joan tonight. Oh, no. Hi, Joan. I got you. Never mind. Ron is here, too. All right. Uh, I think we can probably get going here. Um, I'm anticipating today's weather might keep our numbers a little bit lower. And as we get into the summer, that's that's likely going to be the case, too. Um, We'll have to chat a little bit about summer schedule, uh, but maybe we'll save that for next week. All right. Let's begin with a prayer and then we will dive in. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for bringing us together uh, to study that word, to grow in our faith. We ask you to bless us tonight, uh, encourage us with your gospel, and and help us to continue to grow in our faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Luke just, he continues to, um, to give us so much information, so much detail about the ministry of Jesus, and um, he's he's a thorough guy. He, he's he's focused on, um, especially the works of Jesus. But um, we're in a section now where Jesus has been just preaching and teaching. And if you have a red letter Bible at home, uh, most of these chapters today, um, the vast majority, it's all red. It's it, it means it's Jesus talking. So a lot of a lot of teaching here from Jesus. All right, so jumping into chapter 12, Jesus is giving some warnings. Um, verses four and five, what warnings do they contain? Um, and then and then he gets some comfort there too. But first of all, what warnings do verses four and five contain? We get into chapter 12, verse four and five. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, I can do more. I'll show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after killing... The killing of the body has the power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Um, So what's the warning that Luke is giving there? And then you keep going, and then he gives comfort. Um, And We'll we'll ask that question in a minute. So um, first question, what's the strong warning here in verses 4 through 5? So, interesting. I wondered if that's the answer we might see here. Um, First of all, he's not talking about the devil here, guys. Um, So, I tell you, my friends, don't be afraid of those who kill the body. So, first of all, um, first point here, let's not spend too much of our time giving in to the fear of men. Uh, let's not worry about the fear and the rejection of men in this world. Um, who's the one who has the power to throw you into hell? It is not the devil. The devil does not have power over hell, only God does. God decides who goes there and who doesn't. Um, he's not saying fear the devil here. Um, I think he's saying, in context here, he's saying, guys, don't be fearing men, fear God. God is the one who has control over where your soul spends eternity. Um, so this is the law, this is the warning, right? The comfort comes right after that. He talks about um, God's care for you, right? But um, his point here is not or his point is not not to fear men more than we fear God. Um, people on earth can can make us suffer temporarily. God holds control over whether or not we suffer eternally. So um, tricky section there, but but I think um, a good reminder for us. And, and again, then look at the comfort, verse 5, 6, and 7. Um, so it follows right up with the gospel. Um, and I, it's interesting contrast, isn't it? Verse 5, fear him. Verse 7, don't be afraid. So that sinful nature needs the warning. In Christ, of course, we get that encouragement. Don't be afraid. God God cares for you. Um, Second part of the question there, why is it so important to know that God values us? So you look at verse 6. You look at verse 7. Some of us have more to count than others. Um, What is the value? Why is it so important to know that God values us? Any thoughts there? Uh, Hi, Marlene and Joe. Good evening. Glad you're with us. We are the second half of question number one here. Um, Verse six and seven. If you ever, ever thinking that God doesn't value you or care for you, um, just read six and seven. What's the, why is it important to know that God values us, especially in the face of persecution? And Melissa, I agree. Um, I at first read, I think a lot of us maybe think, thought that way. Um, So good, good, good thoughts. Anybody have a, a response to the second part of the question though? Why is it so important to know that God values us? Anybody have a thought to that one? I, I think, um, (laughs) yeah right um um, a small detail like that phil um so if god even cares how many hairs you have on your head how much more doesn't he care about the important stuff right that's the idea there um yeah jane that gives us strength to know that he cares about us that way um god treats us with care and concern melissa says um i you are worth more than many sparrows Right. I think is how Matthew says it. Um, If God cares for even the small details like sparrows and and hair on your head, um, He He cares about you so much more. Unbelievers in this world don't value us; they don't care about us, but God does. God has heaven ready for us. Um, We couldn't be more valuable to Him. And, And Pam, yeah, whether we feel we're valuable or not, God says we are. So who are you to argue, right? When you feel like you're worthless and you have no, nothing to offer. Who are you to argue with God? Right? God says we're incredibly value in Christ, valuable in Christ. Don't argue, don't argue with that, right? Just just believe it, trust it, uh, rejoice in it. Um, yeah, Ron and John, we are disposable. Um, He loves us, He sent His Son to save us. Yeah. Um, so good, good to know. And I think in our world today, too. Um It's interesting, you know, we talk about being connected, but people are more and more isolated than than they've ever been. Studies continue to show that. So a verse like this uh, can be so huge for somebody to know that when nobody on Instagram seems to care about them, God does, right? When none of their followers on whatever platform seem to care, God does. All right, good stuff. Uh, Jumping ahead, the parable of the rich fool, verses 13 to 21. So question two says, study the parable there. If our lives do not consist of our possessions, of what do they consist? So you look there, verse 18. I know, I'm going to build bigger barns and store all my stuff. Uh, Take life easy, eat, drink, be merry. Um, If life doesn't consist of our possessions, of what do they consist of? Phil, that's a good thought too. Um, yeah, and always pay attention to that. There are times when Jesus, he pulls these guys aside a little bit just, just to make a, a specific point to them. Um, and, and understand, so in context there too, right? So they're going to be tempted to bow or cater to the, the world around them as they're sharing the message. And, and Jesus is saying, don't worry about them. Right, you got somebody much bigger to, to be concerned with and to answer to. Um, good stuff. Uh, so, so question two there, parable of the rich fool. If our lives do not consist of our possessions, what do they consist of? And as you look at verse 18, isn't that our society? I don't know. Um, I went to play softball last Thursday, and, and Grace rode with me. And we're we're driving out, you know, up past Sussex and all going that direction. And every the house is just getting bigger, 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 bigger. Um, it seemed like every subdivision. Um, that's what our society does, right? We just keep building bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and I think as a society, um, so much of it is getting stuff and accumulating stuff. And Ron and Jones say that really our eternity is in heaven. And that's what we should be focused on and thinking about. Jane says, uh, living for God and others. Yeah, it's not about our stuff, but it's about loving our God and loving our neighbor, right? Jesus, that's how he summed it up. Um, Pam says, be rich towards God rather than earthly riches. Yeah, be generous to him. Um, I. This is a place where I, I think of my grandpa. He always used to say to me, um, you never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. I think I've shared that with this group before. Uh, you can't take it with you, right? The Ag- ancient Egyptians, uh, when they buried their, their kings, their pharaohs, they, they would bury all kinds of gold and possessions and things with them in the effort to, for them to carry it on into the next world. Uh, it doesn't work that way. And so Jesus here doesn't want us to focus on the stuff, but rather to to focus on God's kingdom and his blessings. Um, so what does our life consist of? It's really serving the Lord, um, being blessed by him and being a blessing to others. Um, and Marlene, that's a good, a good way to to think about how much you're worth to God, right? He, he paid the ultimate price for us. Good. All right. T- 22 to 34 are, um, very comforting verses as well. I think Matthew 6 gets referenced more than these. I mean, it's this similar similar thought here. Um, just comforting words. Um, so question three says, Phil's got it for you there. List as many reasons as you can why you should not worry. So I don't know how many you wrote down. I think I've got at least six. Just post one. Pick your favorite reason that, that Luke gives here to not worry, and then just post it for us. So, yeah, post your favorite reason here why not to worry, and then uh, we'll, we'll chat about them. So Ron and Joan started here that says, worry doesn't actually make anything better. Yeah, when has worrying ever Ever done anything for you, right? Um, and he, in verse twenty-five. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? In fact, doesn't it do the opposite? Doesn't worrying actually make you lose time, right? Because you're not productive, you're not getting anything done. Um, rather than serving your Lord, you're 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 spending time in worry. Um, so it doesn't add time. In fact, you you lose time. So Melissa says, we don't have to worry because we have the real treasure, right? God, he's already given us the kingdom. Yeah, good. So what else is there to, right? We've got everything we need in him and, and more. Um, what is there to worry about? Ron and Joan give us another one here. God has everything under control. Yep. Um yeah, I mean, he even the the lilies, right? God takes care of them, the, the grass. Again, if God's paying such attention to little details like this, how much more is he going to pay attention to us? As Jane just said, I, I should have just waited a second. You would have said it there. Um, yeah, that's a good illustration there too, Phil. I think that's a good connection. I, I like that. Um, Yeah, think of all the time that is spent just on that. Um, And we're even more more special by far. Um, Another thing here, verse 24. um, He says, how much more valuable are you? Right? Again, the value. God values us greatly. So why would we worry? Um, Verse 31. um, Go after what's most important. Go after God's kingdom. He'll take care of the rest. Um, So I I think there's probably other things there we we haven't hit on, but I think we are um, getting the main thoughts. You know, you look at verse 31. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. That's really hard to do, isn't it? Um, It's really hard to do when there's so much on our minds really hard to do when there's so much in the world that we're concerned about. Um, But what a promise. What a promise. Pam, that is a great hymn. I I love that one as well. Um, I would say that's probably my favorite hymn that would address um, stewardship or our possessions, all those things. Um, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. I, I love that one. That's a good one. And certainly verse 34 is the verse you're quoting there. Uh, And that hymn is built right off of that that verse. All right, uh, moving on. So question four. Um, So Jesus talks about uh, watchfulness. Um, And then at the end of that section, verse 47 and 48, uh, the Lord gives a warning to richly blessed members of his church. Um and what is the warning that he gives? And he's not necessarily here talking about monetary blessing. Um, I think he's talking about wisdom and knowledge, being blessed with wisdom and knowledge. Um, what warning does God give to those who are richly blessed with wisdom and knowledge? What uh what does he say there? Bit of a wake-up call, right? A bit of a, a way for us to check, check ourselves here a little bit. What warning does the Lord give those who are richly blessed with knowledge, richly blessed with wisdom of God and his will? So that's definitely a key component there. Um, the Myers say, if you have much, much will be expected of you. Um yeah, verse 48, so God, he has expectations, right? He wants us to be faithful with our knowledge of his truth. Um, Melissa says he asks for things in accordance or proportion to what he has given, so, so don't be stingy. Um, yes, agreed. Um, hi, Joanne, good evening. Um, she says a pastor from long ago told the story of a man stinking a suitcase full of gold into heaven. And when he opened it, someone asked why he had brought parts of the street into heaven. (laughs) That's interesting. Um, Yeah, the things that are value here are not so much up there, right? Um, And and I think maybe the one point we haven't mentioned here, verse 47, um, the servant who knows his master's will and doesn't do it or doesn't get ready um, is going to be beaten with many blows as compared to the next verse where it says few blows. It sure seems like to reject the knowledge we have about God is, is to receive a greater punishment. Um, so to those who have been blessed with knowledge and wisdom about God and his word, um, if we're going to reject that, that the punishment is going to be greater, um, and that makes sense, right? I think, you know, finally for those believers who had faith and lost it, eternity is going to be a little worse, right? For them, for maybe somebody who never really had it to begin with. Um, Phil says it's a wonderful command in always seeking excellence and sharing the word and not holding back. Yeah, uh, be faithful. You have it, share it. Uh, what are you holding on to it for, right? Um, Get after it and share the word. Share the, share what you know. All right, anybody else? Chapter 12. Oh, wait, no. Nope. One more question here. So toward the end, uh, Jesus talks about interpreting the times, the signs of the times. Um, so in verse 56, he says to the crowd, um, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it you don't know how to interpret this present time? So what's he talking about here? What, what signs of the time is he talking about? What are they missing? Right, They can interpret the sky. Um, right? He talks about the weather before that, the wind before that. Um, what are they missing? What signs of the time are they not interpreting? And I wonder if our connection's a little rough tonight. I see people dropping in and out um, regularly here tonight. If, if you're having trouble on your end, um, let me know. I things seem to be fine here. Um, Melissa says it's him. They're missing that he's the one they've been waiting for. Yeah, they they're not paying attention to the miracles and the works that he's doing. Right, he, his ministry among them is a sign of the times that he's here the time is now, right? This is the the age of the Messiah and they're missing it, right? They're not, they're not paying any attention to it. They are, uh, they don't see what he is doing. Um, And so the time is coming, right? They need to prepare. The Messiah is here and they're just, they're not, they're not, they're not interpreting it correctly. All right. Uh, Anybody got a question or a comment? on chapter 12, yeah, I think that's definitely the thrust of that there, Ron and Joan. Believe, here Here it is, right? Believe and be saved. Don't miss it. Yeah, and I don't think that's changed from then to now, Phil, right? Nobody, everybody's too caught up in the here and now, right? They, they're not thinking about what's next. They're not thinking about what's coming. Um, it's all about the moment, And Jesus is saying, this is a big moment right here, and you're missing it. Um, All right, chapter 13. Anybody else got a question on on chapter 12? Otherwise, we're going to be talking about 13. Um, So so verse 1, so apparently there was an incident where Pilate had, um, at Pilate's command— Uh, His soldiers had had killed some of the Jews or some of the Galileans, um, perhaps at a a worship service or a festival, call it crowd control. Um, Anyway, he gives that as an example. Then there's another example. Um, What do people usually conclude about individuals who suffer a tragedy? And one through five, Jesus kind of, he gives you that. Um, what do people, and by the way, um, doesn't this sound like the news today? Um, it's, it's one tragedy, one bad news after another, right? It, I mean, this, this is like the Twitter feed in that day, news feed in that day. Um, what what do people often conclude about individuals who suffer in a tragedy? Um, Melissa, yes, this is the same guy. This is the same guy. Hey, Rachel's here. Good evening, Rachel. Um, yeah, somehow they deserved it, right? God is punishing them. Phil says they must have done something right to offend God. Um, Ron and Joan, they must deserve it, right? Somehow, um, God is punishing them. And so then the implication is if, if, if nobody's had things like that, if, if other people haven't had things like that happen to them, well, they don't need to repent. They're doing just fine. Um, so, what is Jesus teaching then through these two tragedies that he mentions here? What's his point? Um, what is he trying to teach them? So Melissa says, never made the connection. How how much how the more remarkable then that he felt Jesus did not deserve to die. Yeah, right? I, I think so. Um, the more I think about Pilate, um, and this year especially, I don't know why. Maybe it was the way that, I don't remember even who the preacher was, but just the way Pilate was presented, maybe it was Pastor Ecker. Um, yeah, I just really, I, I came to that same conclusion, Melissa. This guy who had no problem killing people whenever, he thought Jesus should go free. that That says a lot. speaks volumes. Um, So second part of the question, um, what is Jesus trying to teach them through these two tragedies here? What's he trying to teach them? The point isn't that they were suffering and being punished for something they did. Rather, the point is, um, he says it a couple of times, doesn't he? Verse five, verse three, unless you repent you're going to perish too. We're all going to die. Um, but if you don't repent, um, you're you're all going to perish. Um, so not only could it happen to you, Ron and Joan, but um, if you don't repent, um, you're going to be, you're going to perish and, and be lost forever. Right. Um, so don't let it, right. Don't, don't, uh, don't think you're fine. Right. Don't think just because nothing bad's happened to you, you don't have to repent. Um, we're all going to die. But if you don't repent, um, it's, it's going to be worse. Yeah, Phil, I, I think that's a, a good observation to make here. Um, happened under God's will, right? A will we don't always understand. Um, but fate and coincidence aren't really a thing for God's people. Um, destiny isn't really a thing for God's people. Um, God's will is a thing for God's people. All right, he goes on to talk about the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast. Two small, quick parables there. What point is he making about the mustard seed and the yeast? Any thoughts there? Rachel says also that Jesus is working on our behalf to save us from eternal death that we all face, yeah, he doesn't want that for us um, any more than we do, right? Um, that's a good point too. Um, you know, we get so caught up on what must have happened here, what they must have done or not done, and we ourselves aren't aren't focused. Um, yeah, and the yeah, so the fig tree which. Um, Verses six through eight um, makes the point there too. Thanks for, for mentioning that. Yeah, I, I didn't have a question on that one. Um, so Jesus is being patient there, right? Um, he is being patient and, and doesn't want us to be to be lost. All right. Anybody on the mustard seed and the yeast? What point is he making there? So I think all three of you, Melissa, Jane, and Ron and Joan have have uh, have good thoughts. Uh, Melissa says God's kingdom started small, but we will be multiplied tremendously. Yeah, are you going to be shocked at the size of God's kingdom on Judgment Day? It started so small, right? Are you going to be shocked at the size of God's kingdom on Judgment Day? Um, certainly, it's it's God's word that makes it grow. Um, and something that is so small, so seemingly insignificant, can really have a huge impact um, in, in our lives, and the lives of, of the church. Um, the kingdom of God comes through some small but but yet powerful things. Um, and it does spread quickly, as Rachel says there, too. How many examples in the Bible couldn't we give that, that really demonstrate this, right? Like in my head, just as I, w- I was talking this through. You know so many examples of something small. So you see, think of the, the, the little slave girl who, who, who witnesses to Naaman, right? Um, you think of the woman at the well who goes to, to tell everybody in her town. Um, the disciples' message at Pentecost, the, the, such small things really just take off. Um, and those are just a few examples. All right, um, I always feel like we got to move too quickly through Luke, but. Uh, so chapter 13, so much more good stuff. But if you jump down to uh, verse 23, they ask him a really good question. Um, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? Good question. How does Jesus answer that really good question? Uh Prior here, Philip Phil had said that even Jesus' parables show patience in an effort to gain more souls. His whole ministry, right? Phil, for sure. Um, thanks, Marlene. That that's true too. Right? God's word spreads all the way through, just like that yeast does. That yeast starts so small, but it has such a far-reaching effect. God's word can do that too. And so often I've I'm reminded of, of how how quickly and and you don't even necessarily know it's spreading and all of a sudden you'll be reminded that it is. All right, uh, so number three here, how does Jesus answer that really good question? Um, In verse 23, are only a few people going to be saved? Notice he doesn't say yes or no. Um, He doesn't really say yep or nope. But instead, what does he do? Instead, what does he do? I, this is masterfully done. Um, he, in a sense, and I, I'm going to give you time to respond here before I, I say it. Um, but he really, instead of having his the people worried about the number, um Rachel says he encourages them to make every effort to get through the narrow door, right? So he he's really putting the focus on themselves, right? Um, the number isn't important. What's more important is, are you going to be there, right? And so Jesus says, don't think about the number. How about you look at yourself? You need to make sure you're going to be in that number. Whatever that number is, the, your focus should should be on getting there, um, Jane says, "Not everybody's going to be safe, so make an effort. Make an effort, right? Make every effort." Yeah, Jesus is trying to encourage them uh, to, to to get after it, right? To make sure that they're going to be the ones that that are part of the group. Group, I'm sorry. Um, um, I don't know if I'm following you there, Phil. So Phil says, "Tells us how it's going to feel." Um, So if how it's going to feel if we don't get in. Is that what you're getting at there? Yeah, just imagine, right, not being in, how terrible that's going to feel. Um, hopefully that, that's, that gets our attention, right? Um, yeah, that, I, I didn't think of it in those terms, but um, hopefully it helps us realize, oh, I don't, don't want to be in that group. Um, Rachel says, all are invited, not everybody's going to make it. Yeah, so few not all right it's not all so let's let's make sure we're in that that number yeah Rachel i like that too and keep an eye out for that um very often even isaiah would say things like that um but the bible gives a clear picture that this this kingdom of god god's kingdom this holy christian church it's not just lutherans it's not just people in our corner of the world. It it is all over. It's everywhere, um, and what a cool thing to be a part of that that crowd, um, and going through the gate as Phil says there, and seeing people that gone before us, um, people from all over the world. Ron and Joan. right? Like the people right now uh, in other parts of the world where maybe we are contributing to the mission effort over there through our offerings. Um, we're going to be in heaven with them. Uh, people that we've never met, um, couldn't even communicate with today, but we'll be in God's kingdom to, together forever. Cool, cool stuff to think about. Uh, in connection number four, who will be at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Really, that's what we're talking about, right? It's people from all over, even the Gentiles. Um, why would this be a surprise? Why would this be a surprise? So, so Rachel brought up the, um, where did the comment go? Uh, east, west, north, south. Um, so everybody, that includes the Gentiles. Um, why would that, and Melissa says, that part, the Gentiles part would be very surprising. Why? Why would that be very surprising for Jesus' audience? Why would that be surprising for for his audience? Yeah, Rachel says there that the Israelites, they're thinking it's them, right? They they thought um, they were God's people, not necessarily anybody else. Um, And and you'll see that actually in Acts uh, this last Sunday, the lesson, or if you come Wednesday night, um, you see a hint of that there from Peter. Um, initial surprise that um, that the gospel is for for everybody. All right. Uh, so then, if you look at chapter thirteen, he ends the section talking about Jesus' sorrow for Jerusalem. And real interesting here. Um, so verse thirty one, it says, "Some Pharisees came to Jesus and said." leave this place and go somewhere else Herod wants to kill you um are they being good guys there why are they why are they telling him this is it out of the goodness of their heart to spare jesus why are they telling jesus leave this place and go somewhere else Herod wants to kill you um any thoughts on that? one? I know that wasn't on your sheet. It struck me as I was reading it yesterday. Um, yeah, Phil, and I've always appreciated that about heaven is knowing that we're going to know who's there, right? There, we're going to know. Um, we're going to know the believers, uh, the ones who've gone before us. It's going to be yeah, and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob too. Um, yeah, I think finally for verse 31, um, they want him out of there, right? They're trying to, to scare him into leaving the area. They don't want to deal with him, right? He'd be out of their way if he left, as Rachel says. Um, yeah, it's a threat, isn't it, Phil? Yep, they're trying to scare him, get him out of town. All right, so so anyway, in that section, number five, it says, Jerusalem would be desolate. She would live without the Lord's gracious presence. And whose fault was that? You listen to Jesus here. Whose fault was that, that Jerusalem would be desolate and without God's gracious presence? Whose fault was that? Melissa says it would be Jerusalem's fault for rejecting Christ. Myers say they rejected Jesus, um, but they'll see him again. Yeah, Um, and so Rachel's got it there too. Um, Yeah, and just how does Jesus come off to you here? Um, So first of all, verse 32 to 33, he's not intimidated. He sees right through it. He's not scared. He's going to do his thing. But then you look at verse thirty-four and thirty-five. These verses, to me, have always—they have shown a side of Jesus that you don't always see. Um, any quick thoughts there? I think we got a couple of minutes. We can take on that verse thirty-four and thirty-five. How does Jesus seem to you there uh, in those verses? How does he come off? How does he come across? I, I, there's some very teachable moments in those two verses but just overall how does jesus how does he sound to you um how do you take those words in 34 and 35 So Jane says he's sad. Yeah, I I think um, so. He's lamenting, right? He he's just, I think there's sorrow. Um, Rachel says an image I've I've seen shared with these verses um, shows how hens will stay on top of their nest to guard the chicks, even through a fire and at their peril. I mean that's what he wants to do, right? He wants to be there to protect them, and they. They're pushing them off, right? To, to keep your image, they're, they're pushing them off that nest. Um, I like that picture. So he's he's disappointed, I think, for sure. I would agree with, with Marlene and Joe. Um, his heart is broken. Yeah, Pam says she, she thinks he sounds sad, too. I, I agree. Um, I just wonder if sad even is enough. Like, does that even describe his, his emotion there? Um, you know, verse 34, how often I've longed. He thinks about this all the time, right? He's He wants nothing more than for them to believe and, and to come to him. Um, Ron and Jones say he's grieving. I just, his, the heart of Jesus really shines through in these two verses. Um, and we see his heart so often when he interacts with believers, but here you see a different angle to the heart of Jesus and it's, it's directed at unbelievers and it's just, there's an ache there to save. And um, so think about it too. You know, if you're frustrated, if you're, if you're sad at at maybe somebody not in the faith, understand Jesus is with you. Um, And if he feels this way, he's going to do everything in his power, right? To, to rectify that just like he did with them. Right. I, I, so often I've tried, but you didn't want it. Right. So he's, he's going to keep, he's going to keep doing his thing. All right. Uh, that's that's probably, probably good there. Phil says he longed, he's desperate. Um, yeah. But that, that, that sinful human will, right. Um, it's not even really free at this point, but it is a sin. It's a sinful will. It's a human will that chooses the opposite. Um, Yeah. And and he doesn't, he didn't create robots, right? Phil, he's not going to force his love. He's going to give it. He's going to share it. He's going to proclaim it, but he's not going to force it. Um, And Rachel, that's a thank you for saying that too. um, I didn't maybe make that connection. These are his people. Um, The ones he grew up with, the ones closest to him, the, the nation he came from, the one promised for centuries they're the ones that rejected that, that had to hurt. So we know he's true God right but but certainly there's some of his humanity there too. All right uh, let's let's hit chapter 14 here we got 15 minutes left. Um, so Jesus goes to a Pharisee's house um, and I don't think this shows up in any other any of the other gospels. Um, to my knowledge. So maybe just some extra attention here. Um, so Jesus heals the man. Um, and to kind of prove his point, in verse five: if you had a, a son or an ox that fell into the well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you pull him out? Um, why didn't they answer him in verse six? Why didn't the Pharisees answer him in verse 6? Phil's got question 2 posted and ready for you, uh, so you can cue that one up um, just prior to that one. Um, why didn't the Pharisees answer Jesus in verse 6 after he healed the man? Yeah, and Melissa's got it there. What are they going to say, <laughs> right? They know they're wrong. They, they can't admit it. Um, what are they going to say? They, they have none. Um, they wouldn't have done anything different, right? They, of course, would have pulled their son out of there, um, and they likely would have done the same for their ox because of the value there. Um, they had nothing because they know that he's got them, right? They know that he's speaking the truth. Um, and finally, too, Rachel, I... <laughs> they know that, that he's got them right where he wants them. Right. They, so to say anything admits that, that he's right. And they, as much as they don't want to be wrong, they more don't want him to be right. Right. so they can't admit that or say that either. All right. Then he talks a little bit more about service, um, what we do for others. And question two says, and Phil's got it there, just, just above on the post Uh, Why don't Christians want to be repaid in this life? The Pharisees were all about doing things to be seen, to be rewarded, to be uh, paid back. Why doesn't the Christian want to be repaid in this life? Uh, Good question, Phil. Yeah, yeah so at what time, like when did it click for Nicodemus? Right, scripture doesn't necessarily answer that one. Um, the chosen portrays it early. Um, and I can't say it didn't happen, but is he already figuring it out at this point? And how many of the other ones maybe are, are believing too? Um, I, curious to know. I don't, I don't know. There's no way to know that, um, but curious thought. Um, So Melissa says, we don't want to view people or the things we do for them as transactional, right? It's not about um, an investment, right? So I get more out of it. Um, it's not about scoring points, uh, making a transaction. Um, Rachel says it's a much better picture of grace. Um, and I like the way you said that too. It doesn't come naturally, right? As Christians, um Take some practice. We need these kinds of encouragements because it's not just something we're gonna we're gonna do naturally or our on our own. Um, and Pam, I think you you did a nice job there of of really hitting at the the key here, the motive, right? What what's our motive for this? What what are we? Why are we doing what we're doing? They had the wrong motive, right? That the motive of of a Christian should be the opposite of what you see here from from the Pharisees. Um, so we as God's people, we're content to please God. We're not in it for the praise, the rewards, the congratulations. We're just trying to, to praise God, to honor him, to serve him. Um, but we've all got that little Pharisee in our heart, right? There's, there's that part of us that wants the same things they want. So just watch out for that, right? Be, uh, be aware of that. Don't feed into that. All right. Um, Phil says, really, it's about silent service. Yeah, we don't need to be broadcasting our service, um, right? We're we're not in it for that, not to be seen. Um, All right, parable of the great banquet. Mark does not have it. John does not have it. Matthew and Luke have it. Where do you find yourself in the parable of the great banquet? Interesting way to, to me, that's a helpful way, you know, when you're especially reading these parables. Um, Where do you find yourself? Where do you find yourself? And I would submit, there might be more than one answer to that question. There might be more than one answer to that question. That's not the answer I was expecting, Marlene. Because um, we're all invited, right? Um, we're all invited. So if we're feeling not invited, um Is, is is that maybe the sinful nature saying we're not worthy of it? Um, is that maybe what you're getting at there? I think we're not worthy to be invited. We can feel that way. But certainly it says there, right? He invites many. Um, we're, all, we're all invited to the banquet. Um, so, so Phil says, um, the excuses are too quickly given. So sometimes, yeah, as I read this parable... Um, sometimes I can see myself, uh, in verse 18 and verse 19, you know, how many church services, how many Sunday mornings, uh, were we verse 18 and 19? Ah, I'm not going to make it today, right? I think that's the law. So often that is us, right? Um, but Rachel's got my, the one that was first in my mind here, 23, We're we're the ones out there, right? Go out and invite. Um, That's where we see ourselves as God's people. Uh, We're going out wherever we can to find people, to invite them in, to make God's kingdom full. Um, That is us. That's who we are in Christ. We are his witnesses. We are the ones to take the, we're the ones with the beautiful feet, right? According to Isaiah, we're the ones that go out there um, to bring them back in. So that would be some of the gospel here. Uh, verse twenty one, um, same thing, right? Go out quickly, bring them in. Um, yeah. So, so there's two two ways there. Anybody else? Um, by the way, um, this parable would seem to demonstrate that there aren't any second chances. You reject the banquet if your invitation expires. You're out of luck, right? We're not going to get to the end and say, oh, you know what? I changed my mind. No, it, when we get to Judgment Day or our own death, that, that's, that's it. Invitation ends uh, ends then. All right. Uh, in our last couple of minutes here, um, <laughs> uh, Rachel says, also, these excuses are horrible. I just bought five oxen and need to try them out. Are you kidding me? Um, That's a huge purchase, and you definitely wouldn't buy them without trying them. Um, Interesting. Yeah. um, So I'll just say, as a pastor, um, and maybe some of you have heard me talk about this. um, I've heard them all, um, and and it it shows up most often if I go to the grocery store on a Sunday, because inevitably. This has happened so many times over the years. Inevitably, I run into a church member who wasn't in church on Sunday, and I'm in the grocery store, and I see him on Sunday. And sometimes I get to say hello. Sometimes I don't even get to say hello, and I hear the, I hear the story about why we weren't in church on Sunday. Um, but think, think of some of the excuses you and I have used over the years, um, whether it's church attendance, Bible class attendance, reading the Bible in my own time, um, prayer, prayer time. Our excuses aren't real great, right? And I think um so right, I think that's a good point there. Um <laughs> Ron and Joan and and the one who got married, can his wife come too? <laughs> yeah, why not bring him? Why not bring her, right? Yeah, good good uh take there. Um and I, I'd like to see that we're all uh able to, to joke around about this a little bit here. Um so the excuses are, are terrible, but, but that's the law. And it, um, that needs to hit us too. Sometimes we've got some pretty lame excuses. Um, so thanks for that. Uh, if you look at the end of the section here, 25 to, to the end, Jesus just, he lays down some parameters here about being a disciple. Um, that he gives three, Um Now, realize none of us do this perfectly, just like any other requirement he gives. But do you want to comment on one of these? What are the three requirements that he makes? Um, Maybe I'll just read through them. Then if you have a particular comment or thought to share or a question to ask. So verse 26, um, basically his point there is, we need to be willing to make our relationship with him our most important relationship. Um, he, he mentions wives and mothers and children and fathers and brothers and sisters. Um, finally, our most important relationship needs to be with him. That's his point. Um, we're all going to struggle with that at times, but if we're going to follow Jesus, he needs to be our most important relationship. Um, Rachel says, even your own life, that that's kind of huge. Um, Jesus is first, right? This first commandment kind of stuff. Um, so that's his first point. Principle there. Then, verse 27. um, So, we need to be willing to bear the cross. If necessary, if I'm going to remain true to the gospel, if I'm going to follow Jesus, um, I need to bear the cross. And that can take all kinds of forms. Maybe that means, uh, so you heard in the sermon on Sunday, right? Alexa Menos um, getting ridiculed for his faith. That's bearing the cross. being missing out on opportunities at work because you're a Christian. That, that's carrying the cross. Um, we need to be willing to do that. And then the last one there, 28 to 33, um, just count the cost. Basically saying, um, know what, it, know what it, you're getting into, right? It, it might mean giving up your love. Or, uh, it might be giving up happiness. It might be giving up some things you really like in this world. Just, just know what you're getting into, right? Count the cost. Um, and I think just maybe a quick, a quick comment here, twenty-eight to thirty-three. Jesus' point here: He's not teaching about planning here. These verses are sometimes used to maybe prove why we can't have a new building at a church, or why we can't remodel a school, or why we can't. That's not his point. He's not teaching about planning. He's teaching about thinking twice before taking on God's kingdom. He's about thinking twice um, before following Jesus. Not because he wants to talk you out of it, but because he wants you to understand the cost. He's, he's not trying to dissuade us. He's, he's just saying, hey, it's not easy. Know that going in, right? Um, this isn't the television gospel, which says become a Christian and life will be Hunky-dory all the time. That's not what this is. All right. Uh, I got to catch up here. Phil says, confirmation, perfect example. Um, yeah, right? It's it's a marathon. This is not a sprint uh, as we go through life. Um, yeah, and the point, Jane, yeah, he, he's not saying hate your mom. Um, it's a comparison. Um, compared to our relationship with Jesus, um, so, so hate is – is opposite of, of love there, right? It's, Jesus needs to be number one. Um, so he's saying, um, so in relation to our relationship with him, um, they can't be first, right? He's not saying, um, hate your family, but he's saying that you can't love them more than you love Jesus. All right, uh, let's see here. A lot of comments, um, good stuff. Melissa says, this is about commitment, right? Being ready to follow through, yeah. Um, walk the walk, right? Um, uh, Rachel says, Christianity is not meant to be a, let's just wing it, study what it is, know the kind of life you'll be aiming to live. Um, yeah, know what you're getting into, Um And be ready, right? Be prepared. Um, And Phil's posted the the verses there. Um, Anybody else on this? Anybody else have a comment? I don't know if I answered your question really well, Jane. I don't think I said it well. Um, But again, the emphasis there is that our most important relationship is our relationship with him. Every other relationship needs to be secondary to our relationship with him. And so if Jesus says this and dad says this, I need to go with what Jesus says. Anybody else? Man, I always feel like we pack so much in here with Luke, I, I, more than I think some of the other books we've looked at. Um, I hope you feel like you're getting a lot out of it and that it's not too much in one one sitting here. Uh, next week, we've got 15, I think maybe just 15 and 16 because we've got some awesome parables next week. And I want to maybe take a little extra time there. Um, but I don't off the top of my head remember what was on your sheet. Um, anybody have a thought, question, comment, um, feedback, too? Was the lighting better this way? Was there less glare? Uh facing this direction in the office than from last week. Um, So Rachel's clarifying. Yes, it is 15 to 16. Um, Phil's looking at 1249 to 53. Yeah. Just preparation, right? Phil, Um, as we, as we know Jesus and serve Him, not everybody's going to be on board with that, and sometimes, sometimes that means family and friends, and, and be ready for that, right? Um, Jane uh, says um, that yes, that's just how some might interpret. So we need to study it and clarify things like this. Um, I'm assuming that was in reference to uh, the cost of, of following Jesus. Oh, no, 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 That was, yeah, yeah, yeah. In response to the hating your family. Yep. Yeah, and it, it really helps to talk these things through together. because uh, So I think that's two examples tonight of just kind of tricky wording on things. We had one right at the beginning um, and now one here toward the end. Yeah, so last week, facing the other way, Rachel, there was just the two lights where there was some glare. Um Uh, And I don't actually mind standing. I have a hard time sitting still anyway. So um, that's actually good for me. So, all right. Uh, I think that's it for tonight, guys. Kept you uh, a few minutes past. So uh, next week, 15 and 16, some awesome sections there. Lost Parable of the Lost Son, uh, Rich Man and Poor Lazarus, some of the best stuff in Luke, in my opinion. Um, So we'll see you next week, same time, uh, 15 and 16. Um, And next week, let's discuss a little bit what we want to do for the summer. Um, Don't want to take the whole thing off, but maybe a break here and there would be good too. So be ready to chat about that next week. Uh, God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your night, and we'll see you soon. And you're welcome. Yeah, and glad glad you're able to join us again, Rachel. Good, Good to have you back with us tonight. Always feel free to jump in when you can. Night, everybody.